0: Hey, good morning everybody. It's Rich Big Daddy Salgado and uh, here we are with another Big Daddy and Friends chat, uh, laugh, and uh, everything else in between with uh, a friend of mine who has been a prominent agent in the NFL, in the NHL, and he's probably, uh, I would say, one of the smartest guys I know. A lot smarter than me that, that doesn't mean much, but I will say a lot smarter than me. So, uh, everyone, let's say hello to Ian Greengross. What's up,
1: Ian? Hey, Big Daddy. How are you this morning?
0: I'm good, man. You know, I'm just uh, doing our thing here at Big Daddy and Friends where we try to share with the uh, viewers and listeners all the different things that you don't see in the mainstream as far as letting people know who the agents are, what they do, what they stand for, you know, how the game is different. And and we do it in a fun way where it's not uh, restricted or, you know, we're not on a time restraint or any of those things. We just, we say how we feel, we tell it how it is, and we let everybody know. Great. So, so anyway, I know your history because we've been friends for a long time, but uh, let's, uh, let's share with everybody – how you got into business, like what led you to become an agent? And then, you know, most agents only usually represent one stream, but you have two streams. So let's get into a little bit of that.
1: Yeah. You know what? The story of how I got to where I'm sitting talking to you today will probably encapsulate everything. Uh, it's going to take a minute to go through. So forgive me. But uh, so from 1988 to 1992, uh, a few of those years, I was like the seventh string goalie at Boston University for the hockey team. I was about like four car accidents away from actually getting any varsity playing time. So my, as I tell people, my biggest contribution to the BU hockey team was my grade point average and my availability to absorb pucks on game day skates. Those were my two <laughs> most qualifying traits for me to be part of the BU hockey team. So I knew my future did not lie in um, playing professional hockey. So when I graduated, I went to law school. And when I went to law school, I was fortunate enough to get a job working for a hockey agent to start building my career as an agent. A very successful guy named Buddy Myers. And Buddy had also been a very successful trial attorney. And um, when the Chicago Wolves, where I live in Chicago, were being awarded as an expansion franchise, he put in a bid to be one of the owners uh, as part of that group. And they won. And there's a famous uh, case in case law in the sports law book that I went through when I took sports law when I was in law school called Sims versus Argivitz. For those of us that are a little older, you might remember Billy Sims. So anyway, his agent was a guy named Jerry Argivitz. And uh, Jerry had bought into a USFL team anyway. You can't own a team and represent players at the same time. So Buddy got out of the business and being a lot better at math than I am at hockey. I had started looking for another job and the salary cap had just come to football. And so there was a very big agent here in Chicago, a guy named Steve Zucker represented Jim McMahon and like 11 of the Super Bowl bears that I watched when I was 16 years old. And he wanted someone to start helping him with all of the salary cap math and and the things that the salary cap brought to being an agent. And so I started working for him because he was also a very big hockey fan. And he was going to allow me the freedom to build the hockey department as well. So I uh, started working for him. And I had at the time when I left Buddy, I had like two guys in the East Coast League and like one guy in the American Hockey League. So I really didn't have a lot of paying clients. And meanwhile, Steve, during his entire career, had been very successful, uh, multiple first round picks. You know, he was this successful in football and I'm way below the screen starting my career in hockey. And so I. Um, as the couple of years in you know again it was very tough for me to recruit hockey based on saying well my experience is a couple of you know minor league guys and i'm competing against guys who have first round picks but in football i could go and recruit guys and again work off of the name of steve in the first round pick so after about 2 years i basically became a full-time football agent so that was my becoming a football agent part now fast forward in terms of becoming a hockey coach's agent. So, um, one of my friends who I played with, you know, I still played hockey cause it's in my blood after I left college, you know, played on some men's leagues team teams when I was, um, uh, going through. And so one of my teammates was a guy named Kevin Delaney and Kevin wound up becoming a skills coach and development coach for the Blackhawks. And one summer goalies are always in short supply as it is anyway, but one summer, it was really in a unique situation where all of the goalies the Blackhawks had under contract were, were out of town, except for one. And so um, when I ran into him at the rink one day, I saw him getting off the ice with a bunch of the Hawks guys, and there weren't any goalies with their skate. And so I told him hey, you know what, if you need me, let me know. Because it's not like I'm going to be asking them for autographs. You know, I represent, I've been fortunate enough to represent guys like Darren McFadden and Imobi Akoyi and Joseph Adai and Damian Williams and so on. You know, I have plenty of famous clients. I, I respect their time. I just want to play with the best. So I started skating with them. It was the summer of 2014. And um, before you know it, not am I only not only am I doing like those midsummer skill skates, but the three weeks leading up to training camp, They have those captain skates where pretty much the whole team is in town. But the two other goalies under contract that year, besides Scott Darling, who I'll get to in a minute, were Corey Crawford and Antti Ranta. Well, Corey was home in Montreal and Antti was home in Finland. So literally for about the three weeks leading up to training camp, it was pretty much me and Scott Darling every day on the team, on the ice with with pretty much the whole team. So to thank Kevin for, you know, getting me involved and letting me play with some of the best players in the world, I started trying to help him, and so I started representing Kevin. And through my representation of Kevin, we wanted to put together a big camp kind of leading up to the captain skates where guys would come in and really do some development before they kind of did the captain skates. And so when I asked Scott Darling, who I had spent that whole summer 200 feet or 180 feet across the ice from, who should run the goalies, he introduced me to a guy named Mike Valley. And Mike actually is a guy who had coached as a goalie coach in the league for about eight years. And we got to know each other starting to put together this summer camp for the pro guys. And as he got to know me, you know, he knew that I represented both players and coaches in football. And so he said to me one day, you know, have you ever thought about representing guys? And I said, look, I skate with these guys in summer. You know, we share a locker room and so on. I don't ever want to violate the sanctity of skating with them. I've never pushed them. I mean, they all know what I do. Have I gotten them an appearance or something because they've asked about it? Sure. But I've never, ever pushed one of them to say, hey, let me be your agent and do your contract. I've never done that. And I don't want to violate that. And he said, well, have you ever thought about representing coaches in hockey? Because in hockey, unlike football, if you represent players, you cannot also represent coaches. So there's only two or three other guys doing it. And, you know, you had Gil on the other day and he does a good job. Um, and so uh, we got into representing coaches. And so I've been doing that for the last couple of years as well. So that's kind of the winding path I've taken to work in both, you know, the NFL and NHL worlds.
0: You know, hockey, it's funny. People say when I got into my insurance career, people don't realize this. I started on the hockey side first. And I don't even—I don't
1: think I even—I knew that. You know. Yeah,
0: I, I started there. Uh, I—long story short, I ended up moving to Pittsburgh uh, after University of Maryland days. And uh, my college roommate was Neil O'Donnell. So, uh, oh sure. I, yeah, here's two college guys living together in in the hotbed of hockey, no less. This is 1992, and uh, I'm introduced to yeah, a guy that was in the cup
1: that year. Yeah, they won two back to back. So yep. I was able to beat yeah, Sean, them. Sean McEachern from BU was on on those teams.
0: Yeah, good guy. I got to yep. be friends with Sean. And, um, you know, here's uh, a friend of mine says, Hey, I'm bringing you to a softball game. And I'm like, I don't want to go to, what do I want to do that for? Because I just got in town. Well, long story short, we meet some of the people playing, and he goes, oh, I want you to meet my friend Mario. And all of a sudden, who's walking over <laughs> me? Mario Lemieux. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe uh, I'm looking at the Holy Grail. That's great. You know, in front of me. And I started uh, – I had a relationship with him, his agents, and 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 then all of a sudden everyone was like, hey, well, so what do you do for a living? You know, after a while, I was like, well, you know, I'm not a security guard or bouncer like you think I am, but uh, I'm an insurance agent. So – I started with guys like Brian Smolinski. I mean, to this day, I'm still friends with him, and uh, and the list goes on and on. So I started in hockey first, and then hockey led into football. And then, wow. you know, natural progression uh, sure. came along. And, you know, I got to go to World Cups, and I've been uh, – I've been to Alaska twice with the Stanley Cup with Scott Gomez. I mean yeah. it, the stories are endless with uh hockey and I always have a fond appreciation and I still listen, I have uh guys in the playoffs right now. So it's uh you know it's fun and uh and it's a great game. It is definitely a great game and I and I think like it's the old saying, when you go to the game you appreciate it more than when you watch it on TV.
1: Oh for here. So you know, a lot of the a lot of the football players, you know, they've grown up more in the South than, than not. And so they haven't really – I mean, they know hockey exists, of course, but they haven't really gotten into hockey. Every single one of my players who I've taken to a game, they're hooked.
0: Yeah. I, I, I've seen that happen uh, uh, so many times that it's uh, – you know, they're like, wow, man, this is real – you know, I'm like, yeah, man, and look – there's no guys falling down and, you know, they got to get carted off or wheeled off. They get up, they skate off. If a guy gets his teeth knocked out or cut or whatever, they go inside, they freeze it, they sew it, and they come back no. out right and play. I mean, that's why I always have respect uh, a lot. of not And not that I don't respect all pro athletes. I, I respect every athlete. But, you know, hockey is such a different animal because these guys – they lay it on the line and they know that, uh, you got to win those, uh, 16 games to take that big cup home. You know, yeah. so the guys will play till they can't. I mean, yeah,
1: no, I mean, you know, here you see every year in the playoffs with reports, once a team's eliminated, so-and-so is playing with a broken rib or so-and-so is playing with this broken or that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah,
0: a broken jaw. They have to yeah. wear that special, you know, it's like a football helmet and then, you know, yeah. it covers their whole face. So, uh, So anyway, uh, you know, the 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 one thing that always intrigues uh, a lot of people is without watching Jerry Maguire a hundred times because that is so way offline. But uh, that's Hollywood. Explain to people the difference in recruiting as far as football and hockey. You know, because,
1: well, more in football, you're recruiting players and in hockey, it's coaches. So, it's yeah, a, yeah. Well, I mean, so I can talk about it on both levels, players versus coaches. So, you know, in terms of and even a little more you know, dichotomy with hockey coaches as well. So uh, in terms of football players, you know, look, they know that as generally part of the process, they're going to be represented by an agent as they move to the next level of their career. So a football player, whether, you know, it's at Alabama or North Dakota, they all expect that eventually, at some point, they're going to be contacted by an agent. And really, what you're trying to do at that point is, you know, hopefully you have a warm lead. You know, a player who you represent knows that player. Um, you know, maybe a coach knows that player, or so on. And you know, you want to get to know the player so that you can introduce yourself you know, go over the things that you've accomplished, go over how you conduct yourself in terms of preparing them to move to the next level and and the services you provide. And, you know, you start a con, hopefully what I hope to do is start a conversation. I want to talk to them and not at them. You know, obviously there needs to be some introduction at the beginning, but hopefully after that initial phone call or even two, that you get to know them so that you can start having conversations with them. And, you know, I say recruiting is a lot like dating because, Not everybody's going to pick you for the same reason. You know, everyone has their own reasons of why they pick you or don't pick you. You know, I mean, in this business, you get a lot of no's as well. And so what you try and do is is once you get past those initial couple phone calls, you know, your hope is that that you can establish that trusting relationship with a player. Because if a player doesn't trust his agent, then they've got nothing. Because, you know, a player moving from college to pro is going to need certain things. Now, look, I tell my clients, 95% 95% of what happens to them is on them. I can't make a tackle for them. I can't break a tackle. I can't catch a pass. I can't block. I can't do any of that. I can't run the 40. I don't can't, I can't do any of those things. Now, I can help them with certain things. I can provide them with information, guidance, because really, at the end of the day, I work for my clients. So I need to give them as much good information as possible so they can make proper decisions. Now, some of that good information in terms of you know a guy transitioning from college to pro is... What's the scouting report on this player, you know, both on the field and off the field? You know, you, if, once you, you know been, been fortunate enough to have been around for a few years, you have enough contacts around the league. And, you know, once you sign a player, you can go to your guys and say, look, he's now my actual client. Tell me what the book on this guy is. So that way, you know, and he can work on whatever he needs to work on in those few short months between the end of the college season and the draft. You know, do we need to get a medical package like for Nile Davis? So Niall Davis was a running back at Arkansas, you know, had a tremendous season um, before his junior year, had rushed for 1,200 yards, like a seven-yard average in the SEC, you know, clearly heading towards the top of the running back list for the draft. Gets ready in training camp the next season, breaks his ankle, misses the whole year, comes back and stays the following year. Obviously, he doesn't leave on a year where he's broken his ankle, comes back and stays. The team doesn't have the normal Arkansas-type success some of that affects, you know, as we've seen from advanced statistics, and, you know, as you mentioned, I'm big math nerd. Um, you know, running backs are very interdependent on their team. And obviously, running backs provide their own value, but they're also very interdependent on where their team is. But he doesn't exactly have a killer season before he's leaving for the draft. Now, when I started talking to him, uh, originally, before the, the year before he broke his ankle, I stayed with him, I kept on him, and as he progressed through that year that, again, he didn't put up the great numbers, the one thing I began to notice, and again, talking to teams, he was getting better as the year went on, which of course makes sense, you miss a whole year, you break your ankle, even if it's been a year, you're still not going to be the same because you missed all of that time. And so as I sat down with him in our final meeting after the season was over, I went down to Arkansas, and he he used the school facilities, so there was someone from the school there, there was someone from the coaching staff there, and so on. I said, look, I said, when I sign you, my mantra is going to be the old Nile Davis is back. Because if you look, those last couple games against Alabama's number one defense and LSU's number four defense – You ran for like a five and a half yard average against the two top two of the top five defenses in the nation. The old Nile Davis is back. Now, he needed to go out and prove that. And he did by working his butt off when he was training um, and ran a four, three, eight at two hundred and twenty six pounds at the combine. And instead of being this fifth, sixth, seventh round pick where everyone in the world thought he would be, he wound up being a third round pick. I didn't run the 40 for him. I didn't play against Alabama for him. I didn't do any of that. But what I did was I said, look, here's what I can inspire for you to be. And here, if you go out and put in the work, I'll do my part on the back end by reminding everybody the old Nile Davis is back. And I think you're going to be much higher than the fifth. I don't ever make guarantees. I never tell a kid you're a seventh rounder. Oh, well, you'll be in the first. That's just silly. I try and give my guys a range. And towards the end, and you can bring Nile on your show one day, I said, look, by the time this thing is done, I think you maybe have you know, a 30% chance of the third round. A 30% chance of the fourth round and like a 40% chance of the fifth round. And sure enough, you wound up in the third round. But a lot of that was based on the trust we had developed during that whole recruiting cycle. Because he trusted enough in me that where I said, look, I've talked to enough teams. I can tell you the old Nile Davis is back. All you need to do is just go and prove it at the combine. And he did. So that's where an agent comes in is giving it. Now, say it's a cornerback. They may say he's got tight hips. He's got a lot of other ball skills. He's really good at diagnosing plays, but he's tight in the hips. So now when he's training for the combine, you tell the, the guys working him out, you know, work on his hip movement and his flow and so on and so forth. It's just little things like that. Like I said, 95% is on the player. Can't run the 40, can't make the tackles, can't do any of that. But I can give them information that helps them. And the only way that that information is going to help them is if we've established that bond and that trust – during that whole recruiting process
0: and just for everyone out there uh just so they have a clear understanding you know you have two companies so one is power play management which handles the hockey coaches and then you have the ultimate sports agency which handles the football players
1: right all right so again going back to my initial story i had been in the football business for very long when i met mike Valley. There's actually a third partner in our hockey business, a guy named Frank Provenzano. He was an assistant GM in the league for 14 years. So we kind of have all angles covered for the coaches. So we've got someone who was a coach. We've got someone who's hired coaches, and we've got someone who's done contracts. And so um, in getting together with those guys, it wasn't really fair in a sense because, you know, we were all bringing equal parts to the table, their experience in hockey and their connections. And not that I wasn't connected. And I'll get to a funny story about that in a minute. But, um, But so we formed a new company. So, yes, I kind of have, again, a foot in both worlds, power play to represent the coaches and ultimate sports to do the hockey. So we talked about, you know, what's it like to recruit coaches. So when Mike first suggested this to me, um, it was like March. You know, we were, again, starting to plan for a summer camp. So it was March or so. And as it turns out, the NHL Coaches Association does a wonderful job of helping coaches. And one of the things they do is at the draft every year, they hold an all-day seminar. And in the morning, well, actually, till probably about like two in the afternoon. Through the morning, through lunch, and like a little bit after lunch, uh, they have NHL head coaches come up and give presentations: uh, running the defense, thoughts on the power play, um, building your resume—you know, things. And, and I mean, it's whether it's Mike Sullivan from you know two-time Stanley Cup winner. I mean, it's everybody. Everybody comes and participates. But then the next great thing they do is after two o'clock, you have another little small like snack break. And then after the snack break, you get um, an hour twice. So you sit at a table with eight other people, nine other people. It's a table of 10 and a, a current NHL coach. Sometimes it's assistant coaches, but it's either an assistant coach or a head coach comes to the table for an hour and chats in a small group. So guys can ask questions about running the power play and so on and so forth. So when Mike first suggested this to me, you know, again, I hadn't really, it's not that I wasn't in hockey, but I certainly wasn't in professional hockey. So I I booked myself a trip to the draft, registered for the conference, show up. As I walk in and I come walking up the stairs, I run into David Quinn. Now, obviously David (laughs) needs a new job, not my client now, Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, David had represented himself funny enough. And uh, I walk up the stairs and there's David. Now, I haven't seen David in 20 years since we were all at Boston University together. But it's like a day hadn't passed. Ian, what are you doing here? Well, I'm going to work with coaches now. And so he's like, couldn't have told me this a month ago, you know. So, uh, you know, so and then I run into Joe Sacco and day, Jay Pandolfo and other guys, you know, and all these guys who i had known and literally hadn't seen in 20 years. And, you know, as you mentioned with Adrian and so on, they're all the great guys. And it's like a day hadn't passed. So I call Mike back, and I say, absolutely, we're doing this. So when you talk about recruiting coaches, it's much more of a personal thing because, again, you know, in, for, for football, it's an easy transition. You were a player. Agents can represent coaches mm-hmm. and, and players. So you just – your guy continues to represent you. You've got that 10 years of trust or three years of trust or however many years you've been together. In hockey, they're kind of starting over. So it's been more of a process in hockey to say, hey, look – You got to get to know them and so on and so forth. So, you know, unfortunately, we've been in business for like two years. A year and a half of it has been the pandemic. So it's been a little tough to get on the road. But mentioning my two partners, Mike and Frank, they were in the hockey world and have always been in the hockey world. So, you know, I've brought in a few clients just because of being around and, you know, being an agent and my experience being an agent. But, you know, they brought in a good amount of guys as well because they just know them. They pick up the phone and say, hey, this is what we're doing now. We can help you. So but coaches is obviously a little different, you know, even, you know, football coaches who've, you know, either gone a different way or haven't had an agent while they've been coaching or so on, because maybe they weren't, you know, uh, big time players coming out and just never really had an agent. You know, it's much more where they don't need all of this stuff. Obviously, they're not being drafted and so on. They just want to know in a sense that for their contract, they're getting taken care of on that end. And then they're less worried about all of the other stuff that I do. And so for me, that's great. I mean, being again, that math and numbers nerd, the way I negotiate, you know, I, I try and stick to more of a, a math centric negotiation, you know, and there's nothing wrong with either approach. A lot of guys, you know, they kind of feel out the marketplace. And well, for me, you know, I just, I try and, you know, just take as many features as possible you know, and, and, and mesh them together and come up with numbers and, you know, and it's worked for me. So now here's the part of the show.
0: Um that I hand the mic over to you, and you basically ask me a question that, you know, maybe
1: there's something you don't know or you want to know. or So go ahead, Ian, the mic. Right, so maybe right. this is too nerdy of me, but what's the most unusual injury you had to cover? Like, uh, it either it happened a freak way or it was something free. you know, just like you got the <laughs> call and you're like, wait a minute, that happened? Mm,
0: that's a good question. I've... Well, I don't know if this would be the freakiest or the weirdest one, but I had a client die. Oh, of course.
1: I mean, clearly
0: that was was really – that came out of left field. And uh, I'm not going to get into names and all that, but that kind of – I was like, whoa, you know. Yeah, well, clearly. I mean, that's awful. Yeah. And then, oh, I guess, you know what? The freakiest injury that I ever had to deal with a client was Brian Burrard. Oh, sure. And, you know, he had his eye, lost right. his eye out there uh, in Toronto. Yeah. And the thing that really, it hit me so hard was, because Brian and I were so close, and I was going to Toronto the next week. Wow. To go watch him play, I, and uh, I had always, I'm always, I've always been fond of Toronto, so I wanted to go and go up there and see him and, and i and I never forget to this day, I was going to go up on a Thursday, watch a Thursday game, you know, hang out Friday, go to the game Saturday, and then come home Sunday. And I was actually, to name another former player, I was house-sitting Sheldon Surrey's home oh, in no. New Jersey because Sheldon had gotten traded to Montreal. So uh, I was there, and i never forget, I was sitting there by myself watching a hockey game. And to watch that Brian go down and all that, I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. No. So that was probably, I would say, the freakiest uh, injury that I uh, had to deal with. And obviously, it was a lot of uh, paperwork and a lot of going back and forth because he came back. Right. You know, to play after he had already collected his money. And, uh, and that shows you the fortitude and attitude that he had. Because when they kept telling him, no, 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 he said, yes, yes, yes. And he came back and basically played with one eye, you know. Yep. So I have a lot of respect for Brian, and he's a great guy, and he's, a, he's always been a great friend and one of those guys that I'll never forget. And, you know, I've, I've had the great fortune of uh, ensuring uh, two uh, number one draft picks that were NHL Rookie of the Year, and that's uh, Brian Burrard and Scott Gomez. You know, so it's been a uh, it's been a hell of a run, but uh, that was a great question uh, that no one has ever asked. So you get kudos for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so let's uh, let her. How do how do how does uh, how do the viewers and listeners find you so they can keep in tune with you, see what you got going on? Give us some of your social media,
1: your website. Yeah, so at Ian Gringross, either on Instagram or. Twitter, or you know, so when when you have a name like Ian Greengross, it's easy to get your own handle. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, and everything flows. You know, I mean, they can my links and all that stuff are on there. There's uh, powerplaycontract.com is also out there.
0: Well, to all you viewers and listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, You're getting firsthand advice from someone that's in the pits. And not only in the pits on one end, on one end but in, on both ends. And players, coaches, and and he's still uh, lacing up the skates, too. So that's got to be impressive to all you viewers and listeners out there that he not only gets you the deal,
1: he is the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. It was great to be on.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll do it again. And for everyone out there... Big Daddy and Friends, I'll see everybody real soon. And and don't forget, you can find us at www.sportsnut, which is spelled N-A-U-T, dot com. We're on YouTube. We're we're all over the place. We're on Amazon. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google. We're working on it. We're trying to grow this thing. So, uh, you know, I'm still an insurance guy. Everybody tries to think
1: I'm a media personality. I'm far from it. Oh, he's definitely an insurance guy. I'll tell you that. I mean, he's a media personality, but he's definitely an insurance guy.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. My agent just gave you uh, the tip of the day. So uh, until next time, we'll see everybody real soon and have a great day. And, Ian, thank you again.
1: Oh, thank you.